Jeff Smith, and welcome to The Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question, and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people, and many millionaires to find out their secrets of success and to share their secrets here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money. And in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people in all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick how they overcame adversity to keep on going when times got tough. And I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. In this episode, I'm talking with Jim Marshall. This is going to be a fascinating one. Jim Marshall is an intellectual who's devoted more than 50,000 hours to the study of practice of multiple dimensions of human potential and development. He graduated from college with a Bachelor of Science from University of New York. While still an undergraduate, he began the study of alternative arts and sciences, which today would be described as transformational and holistic. Eventually, he became a professional practitioner and after 28 years of formal education, he had a long career as a human development engineer. I can't wait to find out what that is. <laughs> he successfully treated or trained hundreds of clients over a 40-year career and he's the inventor of Septemix and several Consciousness Expanding Systems. This is going to be fascinating, right? Jim is the discoverer of an unknown natural phenomena which greatly improves one understanding of people from which he's created a revolutionary practical philosophical system and published this in a very well-received book called Septemics, Hierarchies of Human Phenomena. This is going to be a fascinating show, talking about a different and undiscovered side of success that relates to the number seven and how we as human beings revolve around that number seven and how it affects our lives. So let's bring in the amazing man himself to tell us more. Welcome to the show, Jim Marshall. Thank you, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. Great. So where in the world are you today, Jim? I am in Arizona, where I live. Wonderful. And what's the weather doing? Sunny every day, I guess, right there, huh? It is now. I mean, it's not all the time, but yes, it's beautiful. Okay. Most well, people don't appreciate how, how good the weather is here. It's fantastic most of the time. Yeah, well, the stories you hear about Arizona is particularly Death Valley and how hot it is and all of that stuff. But I can't wait to find out about your amazing discoveries, how the number seven has shaped your life and, of course, your book. But before we do that, Jim, I want to find out more about you. So I have three questions to get us going. 
Where were you born? Okay. Where were you born? What was life like for you as a child? And what were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing up? Well, I was born in New York City. My life as a child was in some ways wonderful. Uh, it put me on the path to erudition. Um, and what was the other part of it? What was the third part? Well, what, what were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing oh, up? Dreams and aspirations. Okay. Okay. Well, well, I was a natural born polymath, meaning I have no memory of a time in my life when I was not intensely interested in learning everything that's taught in every university. Okay, I started school when I was three. I've been involved in education ever since. And uh, that drives me. For me, knowledge is uh, the value. That is what is valuable to me, knowledge. I'm really not interested in most of the other things. That's fascinating. Uh, so, so I've had a lifetime of garnering knowledge. I had an in internal drive to always want to know more. And I mean this in a very academic sense. Mm -hmm. So I was able to master a couple of dozen academic subjects because of this, which led me inexorably to discovering septemics because of my orientation. Okay, right. We'll, we'll come on to that. Let me ask you something. Fulfillment. What does yeah. that what does that mean to you? Well, it depends on if you mean in the present or in the future. Uh, in the present, it means uh, getting people to find out about septemics and see how it can help them and having it actually help them. Most of the people who benefit from septemics are people I'm never going to know. There's some guy in Detroit is going to read the book and it's going to enhance his life. That's what I want. That's what's important to me. I'm not going to get anything out of it. I'm not even going to know about it. But that's what drives me. Uh, in, a, in a more future sense, uh, really, you might say, to put it in a, a Christian context, to go to heaven and become an angel. Well, that's a fascinating thought. So, do you think you will go to heaven and be an angel? So, if the answer is yes, yes. Which, which I'm taking it is, what do you think an angel is? An angel is a non-corporeal being uh, who has a mind uh, and who is in the service of what, what we might call good. Now, some people put it in the context of serving God. I don't necessarily put it in that context because I have a more expanded view, although I don't discourage that view. Uh, but, it, but angels do involve themselves in the activities of not only humans, but, but other activities throughout the universe in, in the quest of what you might call uh, love, justice, fairness. They are active. Okay. This is fascinating. Not at all the subjects I was expanding, but I am going to go a little bit further, if I may. Okay. So you say angels have some intervention with human beings. 
Yes. What, what's your view there? How does it manifest? Well, uh, first of all, let me say, I think everyone is telepathic, uh, although it's a matter of degree. And some people are more aware of it than others. In other words, I think most people are telepathic, but don't realize they're telepathic. Now, when once you are telepathic, that enables you to communicate with non-corporeal beings because that's how they communicate. Okay. They don't speak words. So this opens me up to being in communication with beings, both corporeal and non-corporeal. Okay. Right. You began school at three. You've been in school for 28 years. You've achieved some incredible, mind-blowing academic results and qualifications. You then finish your education and you become what you term a human development engineer. Now, when I saw that, that you'd written that, that brought a lovely, warm smile to my face because I'm thinking, I've never heard that term before. So, Jim, please, what is a human development engineer? A human development engineer is a person who works with other persons one-on-one -on -one to help them to enhance their lives. Uh, and this is, could be across many different axes. Uh, in many cases, my interaction with a client was similar in some sense to being like a psychotherapist or facilitator. In other contexts, it was more like being a coach or an advisor. It depends on what's going on with the person. And I worked out a system where I can handle any case because I know the three basic areas that everybody has in common. And whatever client comes to me, I can address him at that level and get an improvement and then move him over to another level. So, and this happens with all clients. Okay. So, so for me, this is, this is engineering. None of this is an intuitional. None of this is based on opinion. Uh, I am a natural born engineer. And I realized by the time I had my bachelor's degree that I did not want to engineer anything physical, such as electrons or airfoils or motors. I wanted to engineer the human psyche. And that's exactly what I did. Fascinating. So the number seven. How did the number seven come into your life? And then let's move it on to what you're calling septemics. So we can explain okay. what septemics is, but let's begin. Number seven, where did it begin for you? What happened? Okay, well, first of all, let me just tell your listeners briefly in an introductory way what septemics is so they'll have some context. Perfect. Septemics is a philosophical science based on the fact that many phenomena related to human beings occur in a sequence of seven levels. Literally, the word septemics means over pertaining to seven. Septemics comprises a collection of scales or hierarchies, each of which breaks down various human phenomena into a sequence of seven levels. There are 35 such scales which span the spectrum of human experience, by which I mean any situation which arises in the life of any person 
will successfully submit to analysis by one or more of these scales, usually more than one. Uh, 24 of these scales apply primarily to individuals and 11 apply primarily to groups. Now, as far as the number seven, this is, this is, did not motivate me uh, in the beginning, and I just sort of came upon it. Now, first, let me say, uh, you read the introduction to my book, and you may have noticed there was a section in there that was called Y7. Yeah, I did. And I give, I give a mathematical explanation as to Y7, okay? So I don't want to take up too much time on that because you can just go on my website and read it for free. Uh, but I should really tell you here how I came to Septemex, uh, and because that's is what led me into the seven. So, as you said, I had a long career as a human development engineer, helping hundreds of people over many thousands of hours. All of my clients improved across many axes. In other words, some improved one way and some improved another way. Now, I observed fairly early on in my career that my clients would improve in ways that were predictable to me meaning I would know the outcome of the session before it happened. Now, I never told this to anyone, but I made notes. And as the years went by, I started to realize my clients were going up scales. In other words, a client would be at a certain level on a certain scale that I had observed previously. And therefore, I would know as a result of the session, he was going to go to the next level up on that scale, and he would, even though I did not tell him any such thing. I never told my clients anything other than perhaps the date and time of the session. Okay? In other words, my, my job was to be absolutely unevaluative, absolutely non-judgmental, and just help them to figure it out by what I call Socratic dialogue. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to jump in here, if I may. Yeah. Because what I want to do, if I may, is add a little clarity for the listeners here, because I have the advantage yes. of reading some parts of your book. So... Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure he will. But Septemex, you state there are seven levels and you state yes. what these seven levels are, which I find fascinating. So there's, a, there's information in your book where we can each identify which level we are on. What I found fascinating about it, when we know that, and it, it's relatively simple to understand, or let me say I found it simple to understand the way that you've written it. But what I found fascinating is you only move chronologically from, or sequentially, from one level to another. You don't jump levels. Now, when I read about that and then found out what the seven levels are, it made complete sense, Jim. Absolute complete sense. So what you're saying now, what you're saying now and what you say in the book is 
Don't tell other people what level they are on. Let them find it for themselves. It is self-discovery, which we'll come on to in a moment. But you can observe which level they are on. And as you have said, you could observe people moving from one level to another level, but you would obviously know that before your session happened. So I hope that puts it in a in a, in the right context for what you've just said. So mm-hmm. that, yeah, so now I'll hand back to you if I may. Okay. So I want to get back to the question you asked me about seven, and I'm almost there. So as a result of working with clients and observing them, I just discovered empirically that there were these scales that clients would move up in my sessions. And you have to understand from working for many thousands of hours with hundreds of different people, I had this vast demographic cross section of working with people, none of whom knew what I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. And they would give me this data. So by 1995, I had about 32 scales that had just been presented to me by my clients in the sessions. And they ranged in number between three and seven. Now, there was one scale in particular that had six levels that I absolutely knew was correct. Now, you have to realize this is before I invented septemics. Yeah, yeah. This is all just Yeah. Right. So I, this one scale, in 1995, I had this massive epiphany that this six-level scale actually had a seventh level. When I inserted that seventh level into the six-level scale, it was obvious where it belonged because of its nature. The scale manifested mathematically. Coming from a hard science background, having taken 26 semesters of math, I knew right away that this meant this was natural law. Because anything that has mathematics embedded in it is natural law, mm-hmm. like the Pythagorean theorem. Okay, so I realized this is big because when I saw this math- mathematical manifestation, these data about the scale jumped out at me. In other words, there was like this massive uh, effluence of data about this scale. In other words, it wasn't just a line anymore. It was a table. So I said, okay, I I found something here. And then being an engineer, I said, I wonder how many of these other scales that I have are actually seven little scales that had not been developed all the way because I wasn't developing anything. I was just helping my clients. Mm. So then because I knew what I was looking for, I inspected the other scales, and in a fairly short period of time, I was able to develop them into seven-level scales. Now, as each scale went to seven, it manifested mathematically. So in a short period of time, I had about 32 scales, all of which were seven levels, and all of which had mathematics embedded in them. So then I knew I have discovered a subject. This is apparently something that nobody else has figured out. 
because I'm a very well-educated person. I know what's in the mainstream. I even know what's in the alternative stream. And although there were people who did things with seven, nobody had discovered this set of data. Because you have to realize these multiple scales, each of them is unique, which is why it covers all of human experience. In other words, it's, it's not overlap. So I then said, okay, this is a book I realized I could go from helping people by the hundreds to helping people by the millions by putting this data in a book and getting it out to the public. So I wrote the first transcript of this book. It was completed in December of 95. And I gave it to colleagues of mine, all of whom who had graduate degrees. And they all had extremely positive responses. The responses were not identical because each person is unique, but they were very encouraging. So then I said, okay, this is what I think it is. And then my mission became putting this into a version where I could express it to the general population of Earth. Uh, And I spent the next 25 years working on this book. Now you have to realize, first I had to discover the phenomena which were largely known to me by 1995, although I did find three more scales as I was writing the book. Then I had to take the phenomena and craft it into a workable philosophic science, because as an engineer, I'm only interested in results and facts. Everybody has beliefs and opinions, and they're irrelevant. Now, I spent 20 years converting this data into a workable philosophic science. This took a lot of work that is not obvious. For example, I had all the scales, but I did not know what they were measuring. In other words, well, if this is, you know, we have these seven levels, what are they seven levels of? And that is the axis. So, I had to determine what axis this was. So I had to sort of reverse engineer it. And that took many years of research, writing, rewriting, uh, working with the data. Eventually, I got it all. So now there are 35 scales, each of which has a different axis, each of which has seven levels. So the seven, it just fell out in front of me. I wasn't looking for anything connected with seven. It just happened. And the good thing about seven is this. If I were to stop some guy on the street and ask, what's your wife's motivation toward you? He would look at me like I was from Mars. He would say, how could I possibly know that? There are thousands of motivations. But you see, I did the heavy lifting and figuring out that there are only seven basic human motivations. So if you give him the scale and say, choose from among these seven, he will, in a matter of seconds, he will find a bracket, probably. He'll look at it in two, three, four, five, six seconds. He'll say, well, she's either at three or four. I'd say, fine, now let's have you read the text and then look at it again, and he will find it. He will say, I see now she's at level four, and that explains X, Y, and Z. You see, he's had an epiphany. Well, I, okay. I, was, I, was, so, I was going to use that word again because you said earlier, I had an epiphany, but I, I, yes. I didn't know 
what it was about, what it was for, what was the axis or what I was measuring. I just knew I got hold of something here, but I didn't know what. Right. Yeah, that's how epiphanies work. I've had a couple yes. myself, so I can really, really relate to it. So at this point, Jim, everybody's wondering, seven what? What are these seven levels? What, what, what is this? So before you continue, is this an appropriate point to say, here are the seven levels and then discuss it more? Would it be appropriate to do that now or do you want to leave it a little while? No, it would not, because as I said, each scale is unique. Now, there are guests who have me back and have me explicate specific scales, but realizing there are 35 scales and there is a massive amount of human phenomena embedded in each of them, I could easily spend 25 hours explaining the scales to someone, okay? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have much less time today. So what I'm trying to do is just sort of give you a general context of what this is, why it works, how it works, and why it's worth your time. So let me say this. I wrote this book to help people. I've had a lifetime of helping people, okay? That's who I am. Each of these 35 scales provides the user with an infallible way of determining the salutariness or beneficialness of any group, individual, or activity. If the group, individual, or activity moves persons or groups up these scales, it's beneficial or positive. If it moves them down, it's detrimental or negative. More importantly, just finding out what level you or another person is at on any scale is enlightening and beneficial. And finally, once you know the actual level of any person or group on any scale, you can improve that person or group by moving them up one level at a time. Now, all of these advantages represent major steps forward for society. Each of these scales is an axis against which to evaluate human behavior and combine they empower one to understand, predict, and manage human affairs to a degree hitherto unattainable by most. Okay. Septemics. Why should I care? How is septemics beneficial to the listener and how will it help them to improve their chances of success in whatever their field of chosen endeavor? Right. Okay, so first let me say, every human being is at some level on each of the 35 scales. Okay? When you look at it and spot yourself what level you are at, that enlightens you and opens the way to move up that scale, but also other people. For example, I know the basic purpose of every president of the United States, going back as far as Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and many of the presidents previous to them who I studied, such as Lincoln, Washington, and Jefferson, okay? What is more important than knowing someone's basic purpose? That tells you what the person is trying to do. So when you spot your basic purpose, it's an extremely enlightening experience. It tells you, okay, this is what I'm doing, okay? And you throw out the other six levels, and it clarifies your whole life. Similarly, when you find another person's basic purpose, you get this big insight into what this person is about. 
So that's just one scale, okay? Now, let me answer your question this way. The data in this book are vital for every human being and can help you to achieve your goals faster and easier by explaining what might otherwise seem to be inexplicable or random. If you were to invite someone to a rendezvous, you would be expected to tell them the exact location and probably the date and time, and maybe also how to get there. Needless to say, it's very difficult to get somewhere if you don't know where you are, don't know where you're going, and don't know how to get to your destination. Now, this sounds idiotic, but most people do this regularly, so much so that it's considered normal. This book solves that problem. It tells you with specificity across 35 axes where you are, how to get to the next level, meaning advancing your condition, or where you will fall down to if you fail. And some of these scales are general and some of them are specific. For example, the scale of basic purposes, which I referenced a few minutes ago, is a general scale. Once you find your basic purpose, that's it. Most people spend an entire lifetime on one basic purpose. It's fairly rare. I'd say at least 90% of the people never change level on that scale. But knowing what it is, is tremendously helpful to you because you know what you're doing. However, there are many specific scales. So for example, there's a scale of motivation. What is your motivation toward your wife? What is your motivation toward your son? What is your motivation toward your boss? What is your motivation toward your brother-in-law? And also, what is your boss's motivation toward you? What is your brother's motivation toward you? What is your sister's motivation toward you? So you can take just that one scale and you can use it in 30 or 40 or 50 ways to really clarify what's going on in all these relationships. What is the motivation of these people that surround me? And what is mine toward them? And you see, when you know your motivation towards somebody, you can improve it by moving up one level. Or you can help another person to find his motivation. Let's say you have a guy who's having trouble with his wife. You help him find his motivation toward his wife. And then you can help him to move up one level and you just have just improved their relationship. You don't tell him. You get him to find it himself. And then he goes, ah, I see. That's why X, Y, and Z. And you see, you've just sort of made him a little smarter. And then you help him to work up one level. Okay? That's how this works. And I have to tell you, it's universally applicable. It cuts across all demographics. It's not limited by age, gender, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic level, or anything else. As long as you can read English reasonably well and you want to improve yourself or your life, this book is for you. Now, you might say, well, everyone wants to improve himself, and I'm sorry to tell you that's not true. There are many people who have no interest in self-improvement. Most people uh, fit that description are psychopaths, sociopaths, professional criminals, torturers, terrorists, corrupt people, and so forth. Okay, those people are not interested in improving themselves. Okay, those people are really more interested in harming people than helping people. And they certainly do not have the insight to improve themselves. So 
But about 50%, I've actually calculated this, about 50% of the human race has an interest in proving oneself or one's life. Now, the reason why I say oneself or one's life, let's say you find a guy, he's a billionaire, he's handsome, he has a supermodel for a wife, he drives a Maserati, he lives in a palace, right? And his IQ is 180. You can say, well, this guy doesn't need this book. He does need it. You know why? Because when his kid has a problem with school, this book will help him. When his brother has a problem with his wife, this book will help him. When his uh, manager in his business has trouble with his finances, this book will help him. So he's not so much using it on himself, but he's using it to enhance his life with others. So, for example, there's a scale of scholarship. I explain exactly the seven levels of scholarship and exactly how to make someone a better scholar. So a parent observes that the child is having difficulty in school. Let's say the kid is hypothetically 12 years old, right? Enough to read this book. So you say, come here, Johnny, read this glossary. Okay, now what? Now read the scale. Where are you on this scale? And the kid will find it. He'll say, well, you know, now that you mention it, I'm probably here at either four or five. You'll find a bracket. Then you say, okay, very good. See, he already threw out the other five levels. See, now read the text in the chapter. He takes three minutes or four minutes. He reads the text. And then you say, okay, now look at it again and tell me, what level are you at? And he says, I can see that I'm at level five. No wonder I have trouble in school. Then you say, great. Let's move you to level four. And the chapter tells you how to do that. So you can move your kid up to level four and you have just resolved a problem for your child at school. The kid will be a better scholar, which means whatever subject he's having trouble with, he will be able to cope with it better because he'll know what he's doing better. So if you take that and, and, and expand it, let's say a million fold, into every conceivable context, you know how this book works. Incredible. Incredible. Jim, I have a question for you. This is a, yes. que this is a question that I'm asked practically daily, almost daily. And people say, Jeff, how do I find my purpose? So the first question must be, do you think everyone has a purpose in life? And then if the answer is yes, how do we then find and discover our purpose? Okay. Well, as I already said a few minutes ago, every person is at a specific level on every one of the 35 scales, whether they choose to access that data or not. Now, the first scale in the book is a scale of basic purposes. Every person is at one of those seven levels. And you see, because this is natural phenomena, people connect with it. This is not inscrutable or complicated. And let me tell you a story. 20 years ago, when I was in the early stages of writing this book, I was talking to a friend of mine about politics and government. I said, wait a minute, let me show you something. And I opened up the transcript to the page of the scale of government. And I just handed it to him. I didn't say anything. So he looks at it, and in about a second, he pointed. He literally pointed and said, right there. I'm right there. He found his level on that scale 
without my even suggesting that that's what the scale was for. He didn't know anything about septemics or about this scale. That's how easy it is to find this. So when you tell a person there are seven basic purposes and one of them is yours, he will find it. Okay. So, so you can use this book, Scale Number One, the first chapter in the book, to help every person on earth find his basic purpose. And when you do that, you will have made a friend for life because you will have clarified this person's mind. Now, not everybody is going to find it quickly or easily, but I should tell you one of the axioms of this subject is the closer one is to the top of the scale, the easier it is for him to process the information in the scale. So someone who is at or near the bottom of a scale is going to have a lot of trouble working with it. Uh, but as I said, this book is not for everybody. It's only for people who want to improve themselves or their lives. So if you give this book to, say, John Gotti, head of the crime family in New York who died in prison, he wouldn't like this book. He wouldn't read this book. Even if he did read it, he wouldn't understand it. And even if he did understand it, he wouldn't use it. It's contrary to his purpose. Okay? His purpose, well, he was a professional criminal. He wasn't interested in helping, helping himself make himself a better person. That's what this book is for. So if a person is at or near the middle of the top of any one of these scales, he will find himself fairly easily on the scale. Okay? Now, if you're dealing with somebody like Adolf Hitler, not only would he not like this book, he would probably want to have me killed because the last thing somebody like that wants is for the general populace to become enlightened on their own. Dictators and totalitarians don't want that. They want you under their control. They want you under the control of the party, whether it's the Nazi party or the Communist Party or any other party. They want you under their control. They don't want you to be able to achieve realizations about your life and take control of your life and make your life better. They do not want that. That is contrary to their purpose. But so if you're talking about an upscale person, and I mean that very literally, there's 35 scales, an upscale person, they will have very little trouble using this information. Now, I gave you an anecdote a minute ago about a buddy of mine 20 years ago who found himself. That guy does not have a college degree. He's an average guy, okay? Average American, you know, he has a house, has kids, he has a mortgage, you know. So I created this book at great difficulty to myself to wrap around the reader. When you look at this book, it's like putting on eyeglasses and looking in a mirror. You see yourself with clarity because the book is based on natural law. And it's like the Pythagorean theorem. It's not hard to teach the Pythagorean theorem. It's natural law. It makes sense. So people have often asked me, what is this book like relative to other books? And I have to tell them in all honesty, as a well-read person, I don't think there's ever been a book like this before. But 
Each one of the 35 scales is expressed in what you might call a table or a spreadsheet. And each of them is very similar to the periodic table of elements. Now, before Dmitry Mendeleev invented the periodic table, there was chemistry, but he revolutionized it by taking all of the known elements at the time, putting them in the right position horizontally and vertically, axiomatically correct. We're still using that, although we have more elements which we've inserted into it. And he made it easier to understand physical science, easier to teach physical science, easier to learn physical science. Okay, it was revolutionary. Each of these 35 scales is a periodic table for the corresponding 35 areas of life. And if you like, I can read you the 35 areas of life in about a minute, and you'll see what, what's covered, and you'll see why this is universally applicable. I think you have to do that. But okay. not, but, but not too quickly. Okay. So um, it's called Septemix. There are 35 yes. levels. So does that mean there are seven levels and each level has seven levels embedded within it? There are 35 scales and each of the scales has seven levels. Let me tell you yeah. what, what the scales are. Yeah. Because this really helps people. Because this pretty much covers human phenomena. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And of course, I could give a lecture on each one of these, but we don't have that time. These are the individual scales. The scale of basic purposes. The scale of personal influence. The scale of choice, the scale of permeation, the scale of thought, the scale of identity, the scale of evaluation, the scale of motivation, the scale of control, the scale of stopping, the scale of scholarship, the scale of literacy, the scale of human ability, the scale of memory, the scale of spiritual identity, the scale of mental deletion, the scale of aberration, the scale of physical fitness, the scale of justification, the scale of belief, the scale of equanimity the scale of attack, the scale of conflict, the scale of reaction. And these are the group scales, the scale of relationships, the scale of life spheres, the scale of government, the scale of civilization, the scale of survival, the scale of management, the scale of exchange, the scale of communication, the scale of allegiance, the scale of sexuality, and the scale of politics. And I can absolutely guarantee you, any one of these scales by itself can dramatically improve the person's life. Yeah, let, let me it think about vary how... from person to person. Of course, yeah. Let, let me think how we use this then. So I asked the question about purpose. How does someone find their purpose? That scale, there are seven levels. Yes. Okay. So once they've found where they are on that level, do they need to know the other 34. In other words, do we have to transcend every level to make sense of everything? Or can we do some supermarket selection and just choose the levels that we want to look at? Well, first of all, the best way to use this book is to, if you're helping another person find his situation, understand his situation, is to use a specific scale to help the person to resolve a specific problem. So let me give you a hypothetical. Yeah. Let's say your brother, your brother is having big trouble with his relationship, right? His girlfriend is going to leave him or something. You say, okay, come in. 
Let me show you something. You show him the scale of relationships. Just the fact that there is a scale of relationships will open his mind. And he'll be able to find what level he's at and what level she's at. Then you show him the scale of sexuality. If you are not compatible with somebody on this scale, your relationship is not going to work out. You could be the two smartest people in the world. You have to be compatible. I'm not saying you have to be at the same level. You have to be compatible. So you have him look at that. Where are you on the scale and where is your girlfriend? Now, I'm not saying he has to tell you or he has to tell his girlfriend. He could keep it to himself if he wants. Then you can say, let's look at the scale of allegiance. Anytime a relationship deteriorates, it's because allegiance deteriorates, right? A guy is married, he cheats on his wife. That's a betrayal. He has gone down the scale of allegiance. He's, his allegiance to her has deteriorated. So you get him to find his level of allegiance and her level of allegiance. Then you can take the scale of permeation. Permeation monitors love, meaning love is, the, is a function of permeation. Permeation is the basic activity of a spiritual being. So the reason you get sensation from your body is because you're permeating it. When you die, you stop permeating it, and then you don't get any more sensation from it. Okay? So when two people love one another deeply, it means they're permeating one another. It's a spiritual thing. Okay? So you can get him to find his level on the scale of permeation. Now, just the fact that he's learning about permeation itself might say, ah, that explains why we get along. Or, ah, that explains why we don't get along. You see? I do see. So, right there, this is just off the top of my head. Okay, so there's, I'm sure I could keep going with this and show you other scales as well, like the scale of motivation, for example. But you can take this guy who knows absolutely nothing. You have him read the glossary, then you have him read the scale, then you say, okay, where are you on this scale? Okay, and in a matter of seconds, he will find a bracket. He'll say, well, I can see that I'm not at the top and I'm not, I'm probably at maybe two or three. Okay, great. Now let's have you read the text and go back and look at it again. Okay. And when he comes back, we'll probably say, well, I can see that I'm at three. Great. Then you can say, let's move you to level two on whatever scale it is. Doesn't matter. And now you have made him more upscale. In other words, he becomes more powerful, more able, more insightful, more capable in this axis, whatever of whichever of the 35 axes you're using. So now what I tell people who ask me about this, including my clients and my students and such, I say, look, this is a textbook on a new subject. So you should read this book the way you would read a textbook on chemistry, physics, algebra, economics, you start on line one, page one, and you go through plottingly, make sure you understand everything. You have to realize there are glossaries, not only in front of every chapter, even in front of the introduction, there's a glossary. So I'm helping you understand the words, which is a big barrier, okay? So it's very specific. Every single uh, scale, the name of the scale has a synonym to help you have some depth of understanding. And every single level 
of every scale has a synonym. So it gives you right there, it tells you what it means, what, what this is about. There's some depth of understanding. Uh, in other words, I'm not just throwing you into it like in the deep end of the pool saying sink or swim. I went to a lot of trouble to make this comprehensible to the average person. So anyone who has an IQ of, let's say, 90 or higher will be able to use this book if he can read English reasonably well and wants to improve himself. So, Jim, how do we use the book? We sit down, study it, read it. From what you're saying, I would probably guess, rinse and repeat, read it again. So we have some understanding And then how do we make it usable in our lives to enhance our chances of success? Well, what I tell everyone who asks me this, uh, after you go through your first reading and you understand the subject, go back to the beginning, read it again. And when you get to each scale, find your level on that scale. Now, in some cases, like the scale of basic purposes, it's one answer. It's a specific answer. Okay. And when you find it, the light bulb will go on over your head and you will, your life will change. You'll say, ah, okay, I know what I'm at. Because you throw out the other six levels. Now, some of them are specific. Okay. Like the scale of evaluation. That is an extremely volatile scale. So a person enters it at level four, always enters at level four. And either he goes up or he goes down pretty quickly. So you can use the specific scales in dozens or scores or hundreds of ways. And you can use it to sort out what's going on with you. For example, the last scale in the book is a scale of politics, which, by the way, is absolutely apolitical in the sense that I'm not telling you anything about a party to belong to. I'm just telling you the structure of politics, the intrinsic structure of it. And you can see where you fit in that scale. And that will tell you a lot about how to approach it, how you do approach it, how you think about it, and how you should try to benefit from using this scale. So each scale is unique. Each one is used a different way. And as you go through and find your level on every scale, if you get to the end of this book and you have found your level, only your level, on all 35 scales, you will be a new person. You will have a clarity about yourself, your mind, your personality. Uh, and I can absolutely guarantee you, anybody who masters this book will have an impact on society because he will not keep it to himself. He will necessarily use it on others. And I gave you an example of the parent helping the kid with school, with the scale of scholarship. Or... Uh, let's say the scale of literacy, okay? I can talk to somebody for five minutes, literally, and know where he is on the scale of literacy. Now, I've worked with thousands of clients, okay? And this is a factor. I had people whose first language was not English who came to me from Europe to work with me. So I had to recognize where their level of literacy was and work with them at that level. So if I'm having a conversation with someone who has a, a doctorate like, or somebody like William F. Buckley, who is extremely literate, 
I would speak to him in a very different way from the way I would speak to, say, the guy who cleans my house, who has no college, okay? So right there, my relationship with this person is already enhanced because I'm dealing with him on the level of literacy that I can observe. So this, this impacts the way you deal with people instantaneously. Uh, I go into a room with somebody and I can look at that person for seconds. I'm not exaggerating, literally seconds. And I can spot that person on certain levels or certain scales. Like uh, sometimes I meet people on the internet, okay? Because uh, you know, the internet is just like society. You meet upscale people and downscale people. And I can spot a person and say, okay, I know what this guy's basic purpose is. Now, sometimes I get a bracket. Sometimes I'll say, well, either these are two or three. Okay, but you see, that already helps me because I've drawn out the other five levels. So I know what this guy is about. So, for example, most people in America know that Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton, the two founding fathers, were political enemies. Okay, they did not like one another. They did not agree with one another. In particular, Jefferson loathed Hamilton. Hamilton was at level two on the scale of basic purposes. Jefferson was at level three on the scale of basic purposes. This is an inherent conflict. They were different types of people. And if you study these people, it's very clear what level each of them was at. And that created a natural conflict. And I, as I explained in that chapter, people at different levels of these scales, this is a question of birds of a feather flock together. People who are at level four hang around with people at level four. People who are level five hang around with people at level five and so forth. It's very much a case of, for example, if you look at the Nazi party, the Nazi party was not filled with people who were level two, three or four. It was filled with people who were at mostly six and seven, maybe a few at level five on the scale of base purposes. That was, or the Ku Klux Klan is another example. If you go to the Ku Klux Klan, you're not going to find a lot of upscale people. It's a downscale group, like the mafia. You're not going to find scholarly and literate people in the mafia. They're going to be, they're all low on the scale of scholarship or literacy. They're not all at the same level, but they're near at or near the bottom. All of them. That's what they have in common, see? So this tells you a lot about these people. So, for example, you know, some people in these disruptive groups were worse than others. Hitler was worse than Goering. Uh, Goering was not in, intently destructive. He was a criminal, okay? But he, he told Hitler, do not invade the Soviet Union. If you do, we will lose. Hitler did it anyway. And uh, for example, Albert Speer, who was a top lieutenant of Hitler, he was nowhere near that bad. Albert Speer was not an evil person. Uh, he was in that group, which is very common, because that's the only way he could get any money. That's the only way he could get, get ahead. Same thing with Werner von Braun, brilliant rocket scientist. He really created the American rocket program because they brought him over to America very wisely. He was... Uh, extremely brilliant rocket scientist. He was not an evil person. Yes, 
He was an SS officer. But most of the people in those groups were much further downscale than those two people. So, for example, in the mafia, Carlo Gambino was a lot smarter than John Dottie. Carlo Gambino was never caught for anything. He outsmarted everybody. The police knew who he was. They had a car in front of his house for 20 years. They knew where he lived. They knew what his election. Nobody could get anything on him, okay? He was smart. He knew how to succeed in society. He was nowhere near like John Gotti. John Gotti was stupid. He was a thug. He ended his life in prison, which is what people like that do, you see? So even within groups, you can parse it, you can figure out. If I'm going to deal with a Nazi, I don't want to deal with Hitler. I want to deal with Werner von Braun. You see? So it tells you a lot. And I can absolutely guarantee your listeners that this book, if you master it, will save you from catastrophes, disasters, bankruptcies, indictments, divorces, and all kinds of other bad things. Because it will forewarn you who you're dealing with. Now, look, when I was a young person, this book didn't exist. I made the same stupid mistakes that everybody else makes. Now, that does not happen, will not happen, cannot happen. Because I can see a guy and in seconds spot him at a certain level on a certain scale and say, okay, have a nice day, nice to meet you, bye, and not deal with him. And this works to my advantage. Sometimes in dealing with the government, I'll run into one of these people, a very low-tone person. And he'll give me a hard time refusing and I know, okay, I'll just come back on another day and talk to somebody else. And I do. And the next person is a more upscale person, and it goes fine. He gives me what I want. He allows me to file my paper or whatever it is. So, you know, I don't get bent out of shape about it. I see what's going on, and I know how to use it in a constructive way. Everybody can do that. Jim, how easy is it? to assess other people. So you've said within minutes you can you can assess people, you you choose the scale you wish to assess them by. So how easy is it to do that? I mean, you you've written this system, so I guess you have a pretty good idea and a good memory for what these 35 scales are and the seven steps, the seven levels within each of the 35 scales. But let, let's say someone listening now say, this is fascinating. I don't get it really, but like your epiphany is, I know there's something there, but I don't know quite what it is yet. So they get your book, they read it. You've already said it's not for everyone and might be a challenge to read, but do it anyway. Work your way through it, go through it again and then there's application, because application is the most important thing, right? I think it was Francis Bacon who said knowledge is power. It isn't. It's the application of knowledge which is power, which is the question I'm asking now. So we've read yes. the book. We've read it twice. We have, I would say, a basic understanding. How then, or how easy is it, once we've assessed ourselves and then have a better understanding... How easy is it to start assessing other people? How do we go about doing it? 
Okay, well, first of all, you really asked me two different questions. Mm-hmm. One question you asked is, you know, how easy is it and how does a person use it? And then another question is how to use it on another person. Yeah, I'm now, there is a there is a long-winded answer to both of those questions in my book. There's a whole section on how to use it on yourself to enhance yourself. And there's another whole section on how to use it on others. And obviously, these are very different. Uh, and I can explain that. But a better way to do it is to put it this way. As I said, reading these scales or looking at these scales is like putting on eyeglasses, turning on the light and looking in a mirror. You see what's there. You know, like a guy's going to shave, right? He turns on the light in the bathroom, right? If he wears glasses, he might put his glasses on. Okay. And he looks in the mirror, right? So he can see what he's doing. That's what this book is like. So what I'm trying to tell you is, this is not difficult. It's, it's like the data jumps out at you. I went through a lot of trouble to make it accessible. But now, remember I told you first I had to gather the data. Then I had to craft it into a philosophical science. And then the third problem, which I spent many years on, really 25 years, was expressing it in a way that would be comprehensible to the average reader. And I know I succeeded at that because I've been watching the response to this book for 27 years now. And people who are not particularly well-educated, who are not particularly intelligent, get it. They look at it and they get it. Because, as I said, it's like looking at yourself. Like, let's say the scale of thought. All right, a guy can look at the scale. There are only seven levels of human thought. He can say, well, you know, all right, so what level am I at? Now, again, I'm not saying you should tell anybody this. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell anybody. You can keep it to yourself. But he can look at it and he say, oh, I can see, yeah, I'm pretty far down here, you know? And once he finds his level, he can then move himself up one level. Now, if he tried, if let's say he's a level four, if he tried to move to level two or level one, he would fail because he's skipping a level. You cannot skip a level. Now, this is very good news for everyone because one of the most pernicious problems that human beings have had for 6,000 years that we know of is the gradient problem. You see, every good teacher, counselor, facilitator, therapist, coach in the world understands gradients. I've worked as a professional trainer. If you came to me and said, Jim, get me in shape, I'd say, fine. I'm not going to just give you 100 pounds and say, work out with this. That's bad training. I would have to get down to the specifics, okay? I'd have to look at you and say, okay, this guy looks like he can curl 15 pounds. So I'd give you a 15-pound dumbbell, and I'd say, okay, how many of these can you do? And you'd say, oh, gee, I could do this all day. And I'd know, okay, that's too shallow a gradient. I'd say, let's try 20. Now he does 20, and he says, yeah, I can do 15 of these. I'd say, good, good. Let's have you do 15 of those, three sets on each arm every day. You see? And then come back the next week and say, how are you doing? And you say, oh, this is much easier now. Okay, let's go to 22 and a half pounds. So that's what this book is like. I'm giving you the gradients. I'm telling you, if you are here and you want to advance, this is where you're going to go. It's just like if you come into a building at the first floor and you want to go to the fifth floor, one way or another, you have to go through the second, the third, and the fourth. 
Whether you take the elevator, the escalator, or go out the building and use a rope ladder, you're going to have to go through those levels, okay? There's no skipping levels. Now, sometimes you might go through a level quickly or easily enough that you think you skipped the level, but that's only the parents who just didn't notice it. But most of the time, you do notice it. Most of the time, you'll be at a level and you will take some action and you lift yourself up. You know what they talk, talk about? bootstrapping. You lift yourself up to a higher level. And that's facilitated by the fact that I'm telling you with specificity what you're going for. For example, the scale of physical fitness, okay? There's a level called sick, okay? That is a level of physical fitness. Person is sick. Now, if a person is sick and then he gets well, he's going to go up to the next level, which is tired, so if I'm working with somebody and I've worked as a, as a holistic practitioner, guy who has some kind of sickness, right? I say, how are you feeling today? I say, well, my symptoms are going away, but I'm really tired. I'm happy. He's going up to the next level. See, I know what the next level is. And I would tell him that. I said, that is good news. You will be tired for a while while your body consolidates this. And so I would be treating him not as a sick person, but as a tired person. Get a lot of sleep. Don't work. Don't go out and run five miles, okay? You're tired. And then when the tiredness went away, then he would be able to go up to the next higher level. So by doing this, of course, 35 axes, you can deal with any situation that arises. And I've had 27 years of observing this to see in most cases, there's usually multiple scales that, are, that apply. It's not even that you only have one scale. There's usually several that apply. Okay, that answers a previous question then. So when we have an area of chosen improvement, not all 35 scales and all seven levels within apply to that area of improvement. We just choose the appropriate scales. It might be one, it's unlikely, but it could be three, it could be four, it could be seven, depending on what that is. So you get the appropriate cluster of um, levels f to fit the appropriate situation. That makes more sense now. So let's put it into a practical commercial application then. I think I know the answer to this. In fact, I do know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So we have a manager in industry working with a team of engineers. The, the levels of each engineer would be different in different situations. And this would be a good book, a good reference guide for the, the, the team leader to work with each of his engineers. Would I be right in saying that? Would that be a good application for the book? Absolutely. That is what this book is for. Because I... look, let's say you've got 15 engineers, right? Yeah. One guy, his problem might be that he's being audited by the IRS. He's a nervous wreck, okay? You can use this book to help him to deal with that in a rational, calm way. You might have another guy. His problem is that he's not very literate. You know, he, he doesn't follow instructions. You know, he gets a part. It has instructions. He doesn't get it. So you might want to work on improving his literacy. 
and teaching him how to become more literate. Not only the specific words, but the whole process of making himself more literate. You might have another guy whose problem is that his wife is an alcoholic. Different situation. So you might get him, see, this has nothing to do with engineering, but it affects the guy. Guy shows up late for work, you say, why are you late? He says, my wife went on a bender, she got arrested, I had to bail her out. So if you're smart, you'll sit him down and get him to deal with this. You might even get him to help his wife with that situation. So when she's no longer an alcoholic, he no longer has this problem that's sitting on top of him and can do a better job for you. Now take that across 35 axes. For example, uh, people would come to me for help, hundreds of people, and they would have different things wrong with them. For example, uh, many years ago, I was working helping people to improve their mental clarity. But I discovered just by observation that a significant number of these people had physical problems. A lot of their problem was they didn't get enough sleep. They never took a vitamin. They never exercised. They lived on fast food and so forth. See, this was news to me because I came from an athletic background. I grew up eating properly, exercising properly, sleeping properly. That's how I lived my life. So it was like news to me that this, so when that happened, I then got trained in that area, became a holistic practitioner. And when those people came to me, I knew how to deal with them effectively to handle the physical things. Usually it was not that long. Usually it was pretty quick, matter of weeks. Uh, I had one client in particular, a very rich client, who really wanted me to help them. This is a person who hadn't had a good night's sleep in 30 years. You know, the type of person who worked until 2 a.m., got up at 6 and went back to business. I couldn't work with this person on their mental state. They were buried under a, a haze of exhaustion. I got this person sleeping. This is a person who never took a vitamin. I got this person taking the right vitamins. I got this person eat the right food. I got this person exercising, okay? And all of this, this person was blossoming now from, from just fixing all of this. So it's a question of fixing the right thing. So if a guy needs to be helped on the scale of physical fitness, that's what you fix. You see, you might have an engineer whose problem is that he drinks like a fish. He lives on pizza and hot dogs. He never exercises, okay? This is not going to be conducive to a productive person. So you might help him with the scale of physical fitness, get him to take responsibility for his body. You might have him cut back from drinking a six-pack every day to drinking one beer every day. You might have him cut back from eating pizza three times a week to eating it once a week. See, that's a gradient. And now this guy is feeling better. So he, when he comes in, he doesn't look like he was run over by a truck. He looks like he's happy and ready to go to work. So it depends on what's going with him. With, with the person. You might have some brilliant engineer. He makes a million dollars a year. He lives in a palace, but he can't get anywhere with women. That's not an unusual circumstance. You might help him with the scale of relationships, the scale of life spheres, as Marriott, the scale of allegiance, the scale of sexuality. And you can work with him. Anybody can do this. You don't tell him 
you get him, you find the salient situation, okay? Like say a guy says to you, you know, I've just never had a good relationship with a woman. Well, this guy better look at the scale of relationships. Just the fact that there is a scale of relationships will be an epiphany for him. Oh, there's a scale of relationships. Okay, well, I can see my, my relationship with Betty Sue is at this level, and my relationship with Mary Lou is at this level, and so he's already starting to unravel this, see? So you get him to use that, and now he becomes your best buddy because you just changed his life because you found the level and you get him to move up a level. Now he's doing better in that area of his life. So instead of being depressed, because he doesn't have a girlfriend, he's ebullient. And so he does a better job for you. There's also a scale of management, in which I have isolated the seven absolutely necessary functions of any area to be managed. And any person in management can use that scale. He can see, okay, well, I've got these four good, but these are the three I'm, I'm not really handling. So he can put those in because it's in a sequence. In fact, it's a sequential scale. So it feeds itself up and down, which tells you why, it, why some businesses spiral up and some businesses spiral down. So there's all kinds of ways to use these things. Depends on the circumstance. But the most useful way, the best way, is to use it for yourself. Look, this book is about insight. It improves insight. It enhances insight, right? You have some guy, Joe, who works for you, right? You don't know what's going on with this guy. All you know is you pay him $2,000 a week. He shows up. He does work. You don't, But if you sit down and talk to him, and find out who he's like, you begin to develop insight and you begin to see, okay, so this is a guy who can't get a date, okay? And it's a problem for him. And you can help him fix that. So now you, he, your bond with him is better. His mental state is better. See, even though you haven't touched engineering. Okay. Let me try and summarize, if I may, please, Jim. I think what you just said in a much shorter version is life is about cause and effect. And if you don't like the effects in your life, you have to change the causes. Those causes are all listed on these seven levels on each of the 35 scales. So in using it with others, am I right in saying once you've read, digested and understood septemics? your book. You can use it with others, but the other person doesn't have to read the book. They just have to read the scale that you present to them and find out where they are on that scale. That, that helps them understand what you're talking about and also helps you to understand the other person. Have I got that right? Yes. Okay. So we can, we can use it like a coaching book, if you will, not only to help yourself and I so agree with you. You have to understand yourself before you take this to others. And when you get an understanding of it and another person wants to change because that's important, because level number one on each scale is not always the place to be. Someone can be a level four and think, you know, I'm happy being a level four. 
I don't want to be a level three. I'm happy being level four. I'm happy where I am. And that's okay, right? We don't have to go to level three, level two, level one, or do we? Well, a lot of that depends on the person. You see, let's take the scale of basic purposes, okay? Level four, which is right in the middle, is what I call the normal. The normal is the guy, he has a house, he has a mortgage, he has a car payment, he has a wife, he has some kids, he has a bank account, he goes on vacation for two weeks. That's his life. He's not trying to change the world. He's not trying to become president of the United States. He's not trying to rid the world of communism. He's just a regular guy, okay? That's 30% of the population. So that guy, that's what he's about. And if he understands that, he will feel good about this, you see? So I know people who are at that level, you know, they're not terribly motivated to do much of anything. They're just fitting in. As opposed to a guy who's at level three, his objective is wealth. This guy wants to have a million dollars. Or if he has a million, he wants to have a billion. He wants to have a supermodel wife. He wants to have his own jet. He wants to have uh, $40,000 worth of rings on his fingers. Okay? He wants to own a yacht. Whatever wealth means to him, he's motivated. He's not just content to have a job, pay his bills, collect his pension. He's not in, into that. He, this guy wants to get ahead. He's a go-getter. Different type of person. So when you understand that about a person, it tells you what that person is about. Okay, so like I have a client, for example, very successful person. His motivation is wealth. That's what he's about. That's level three on the scale of, of basic purposes. My insight into that enables me to understand who this person is. This person is not interested in transcendence, which is what level one is about. He's not interested in conquering anything, which is what level two is about. So for example, I mentioned uh, Hamilton and Jefferson. Jefferson was at level three, which is wealth. If you look at the man, he was a wealthy person, okay? He did not risk his life. When the English finally went far enough to inland to come to his property, he ran away, okay? As opposed to Hamilton. Hamilton was a leader. He was at level two. His goal was to conquer. He was at Washington's side the whole way to conquer the English. He risked his life over and over. And eventually, he lost his life because he was killed by a political opponent. It was Hamilton who enabled Jefferson to become president even though Jefferson hated him. Different type of person. So once you understand somebody, now I'm talking about one particular scale. There are 35 axes across which to evaluate people. When you know, like for example, I have a friend has three college degrees, okay? But this person is at level four. This person doesn't want to change the world. This person doesn't want to be a billionaire. This is just a normal person. So I know what I'm dealing with, what I'm looking at, how to interact with this person, okay? This person is not gonna particularly get excited about Thomas Paine, who was at level two, a leader. This person is interested in the, the kids, the husband, you know, Christmas vacation, things like different type of person. So uh, it helps you to figure out who is around you. So for example, let's say a guy's dating a girl. He's thinking about marrying her. So 
shouldn't he know her motivation? Does she want to marry him because she loves him, which would be level one? Or does she want to marry him because he owns his own plane, he drives a Maserati, and he has a yacht? Different motivation. So in one case, if it's the first case, he might say, yes, I'm going to marry this woman. But if he finds out it's the other one, you might say, mm, I don't want to be with this person. Nice person, goodbye, not interested. So just by looking at that one scale for that one person, he has made a correct decision. So that's how you use it. You use it to resolve specific situations in your life. You know, most people have quandaries in their lives, you know, like a guy has a, a guy who's a coworker. He's trying to understand what's going on with this guy. What is the deal with this guy? And if he spots this guy on five or six or seven scales, he will have a pretty good understanding of who this guy is. And then he will have a better grip on, does he want to associate with him out of work? You know, how do I interact with this person? So like I was talking about somebody I knew who was normal, okay? So I know how to interact with that person uh, in a way that makes that person happy, that works for that person, okay? So I know lots of people who are, who are normals because there's lots of them around and I know how to interact with them. It's not rocket science. You observe the person, if you read the book, it tells you with specificity, how does this person at this level behave? What does this person do? What does this person say? How does this person think? People will tell you right out of the person's mouth what level they're at. They tell you. You just have to know the scale. And it's not hard to understand because I went out of my way to write it in a way that is comprehensible for the average person. I love that. I get it. How long did it take you to write this book, Jim? Once you had the epiphany, I've got something here. You then started mapping everything out. Yeah. And then yes. you, you didn't decide number seven. It was, oh, look, everything's fallen into the number seven. I didn't make That's it happen. Right. It just did. Right. So now I have to write a book and share it with the world. Right. So from when you made that decision, take me through what happened. Well, I think I mentioned earlier, I spent 25 years writing this book because uh, I started, the, the first version of it was written in 95. And because that's when I kind of discovered the subject. Now, as I said before, first I had to discover the phenomena, which was still going on as I was writing the book. I did find three more scales. And I had to discover the axes for all these scales. And you have to realize There's 35 scales, each of which has seven levels, that's 245 different levels, each of which had to be verified and more importantly, expressed in a way that made sense to people. Okay. I'm going to hold so, you there. I'm going to hold you there. Yes. I discovered another three scales, you said. How does one discover a scale? You have to understand that I was still counseling people. I was still observing people. Uh, And in fact, by then, many of my colleagues started making suggestions. Uh, I had, in fact, one of my clients said to me, you know, I think I found a scale. I said, realize, tell me what it is. So he sent me something. It wasn't a scale. But it got me thinking about that area. And so it led me to 
to see, oh, there is a scale here. It's not what this guy found, but there is another scale here. So all of this is empirical. In other words, it, it had presented itself to me. There's no theory of septemics. I get it. Okay. So you had the epiphany, you decide to write. What took 25 years? Okay. After I had the phenomena, and remember I had about 32 scales in 95, I then had to craft it into a workable philosophic system, and that took 20 years. Because remember, I had the scales, but I had to know the axis. What is this measuring? And I'll give you an example. There's a scale of equanimity. Equanimity is crucial in human affairs. 95% of the problems that people have with one another is because one or both of them has a deficit of equanimity. So I did not know that this particular scale was a scale of equanimity. I had a scale that looked like a scale of maturity. It was obvious to me, I could see people going up and down the scale of maturity. And I called it a scale of maturity. But then as I worked with it and studied it and rewrote it and observed people, I came to a realization, wait a minute, there's something deeper here. I call it maturity because that's what it looks like, but it's actually deeper than that. It's a scale of equanimity. And so I found the axis and that's important. You see, when you define the axis and then you give the person seven choices on the axis, it jumps out at the person because it's natural law. It's not counterintuitive. It's intuitive because it all interlocks. It's like a big Chinese puzzle that interlocks across 35 axes. The next thing was my goal from day one was to write this in a way that would help the average person who wants to improve himself or his life. That is a tall order. This is an 86,000 word book. So I literally had to go through the book word by word, asking myself, how will people interpret this? How will people think about this? So for example, uh, let's say I, I use the word quotidian. There's a lot of people who don't know what quotidian means. So I would say instead, well, every day, common, okay? I would express it in a way that would more people would get. Also, uh, later I realized I should put glossaries in this. So I tell people with specificity what I mean by each of the seven levels and what I mean by the name of the scale. So for example, there's a scale of communication. That scale alone, I can assure you, if you master that scale, it will dramatically enhance your life because you would become a master of communication, which enables you to deal with people in an effective way. Now, somebody could reasonably say, well, if you look up the word communication, it has like 30 or 35 definitions, depending on what dictionary you have. Which one are you using? And so I give a specific definition of communication, the one that best and most fits. And I do that with every title of every, all the 35 skills and with every level of all the seven levels of all skills. I give a synonym for every single level and for every single skill. Plus, I have the glossary, which tells you not only the meanings of those words, but the meanings of anything that might come up 
in the chapter that I think many people might not get, especially things that are crucial to understanding it. So that was a lot of work. As a writer, going through it iteratively, we're expressing it in a way, writing it, seeing how people thought about it, getting responses from people. You know, like somebody would read the book and say, hey, this is great, but what did you mean by paragraph two on page 57? And by doing that, I could see, okay, there's a better way for me to explain this that makes it easier for people to get. And I'll give you a perfect example. In the scale of sexuality, level two on that scale is a level that most human beings never get to. And if you look up the scale, you'll see it says, take it or leave it. That is the name of the level. Now, you could look at that and say, well, what kind of a name is that? And the reason I gave it that, that level, that name is, it makes perfect sense. There are people who, who, whose attitude about sex is take it or leave it. You know, it's like if the girl wants to go out with the guy, that's fine. And if she doesn't, that's fine too, because he can take it or leave it. You see? So like if, a, if a girl breaks up with a guy, he'll say, okay, have a nice life and wish you the best. Because he can take it or leave it. So that's what I call the level. Because everybody who knows English knows what that means. Now, I could have put in some other synonym or some more complicated phraseology, but that communicates so well that that's what I called it. See, and a person is going up the scale and he gets to take it or leave it. Oh, you mean there are people who can take it or leave it? Wow. So like there are people who are in religious organizations who are celibate, who are perfectly happy about that. It's not an issue for them. It's not a problem for them because they can take it or leave it. So uh, actually, if you study the history of religion, all kinds of religions, not just Western religion, Eastern religion, there are, there are people who are religious, uh, they're spiritually searching people who are mostly trying to transcend, who, you know, they're like voluntarily join some monastic order because sex is not a thing for them. They can take it or leave it. That's just one example of a way that I found to express it. But you have to realize I had to do this 245 different times. And all, a lot of it was from feedback from readers and also iterative reading where I would read the book. I'd put the book down. I'd go back to it two months later and read the whole thing again and, and see always with the intent of how clear is this? Can I make this more clear? For example, I give historical examples of people. For example, I mentioned that uh, Jefferson was at level two, pardon me, at level three of the scale of basic purposes, and Hamilton wasn't. Okay. So I give many levels of deceased persons. I never give the level of a living person, any living person, including myself. I don't think it's ethical, and it's counterproductive. But I was clear about what examples do I give? I mean, there are people in history who I know are at specific levels, but it's going to be harder for the person to see that. Because for some people, uh, it's easier to see. Uh, and it's more obvious, let me put it that way. So if I tell you that Jefferson was a winner and you read a biography of, Jeff, uh, of 
Jefferson. Yeah, he was a winner. You know, he was a violinist. He was an architect. He was an inventor. He was a lawyer. He was a founding father. He, you know, he was an ambassador. He was he, all these things. You know, he was a winner. And all of this was kind of accruing wealth for him. Not only physical wealth, the way he had plenty of that, but uh, the type of person he was, it was important to him to be the Secretary of State. You see, that was a type of wealth to him. So he is a good example of a person who's at level three. And there are other people who are at different levels. And I was careful to select someone. So when you read the chapter on basic purposes, I go through an example of someone at level one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I give a historic, a famous historical example. And if you, you may not know who that person is, but I try to give people who everybody knows. Uh, somebody who doesn't know American history might say, well, who's this Jefferson guy? But even most people, even most people in the EU and in the English-speaking countries know who Thomas Jefferson was. And know they can look him up on Wikipedia and it's pretty easy to figure out. Uh, but, you know, I could give obscure examples, but that doesn't help the reader. So that took a lot of work and all of that cumulatively, expressing it in a certain way, working out the, the fundamentals of it so that it's foolproof. I wanted this to wrap around the reader. That's how I designed it. When you look at it, you get it. It jumps out at you. It's not obscure. It's not inscrutable. You look at it and say, oh, I can see. Okay, yeah. I see how this works. Seven levels of the government. Yeah. And so uh, by the time you finish reading the text, you really get it. Because I went out of my way. You have to understand that I was involved in education my entire life, one way or another, either as a student or a teacher. And so I have a lot of experience in how to teach, how to tutor. You know, I had a career tutoring people, fixing up the messes that were made by mainstream education. Like some girl would be, you know, in a, uh, a college uh, course in math, and I'd get it. They can bring me in, you know, as a math whiz, and I knew how to explain it to this person in a way that she would get she would say, oh, okay, now I see it. So I did that thousands and thousands of times with people. So I sort of learned how to sort of reverse engineer how to write something that people will get. Uh, and that took a lot of work. Now, after 25 years, I said, okay, I'm not going to live forever. This book is, works the way it is. I'm going to publish it. And so I did. And what year was it published, Jim? It was published uh, two years ago. That would have made it uh, 2020. Okay. <clears throat> so there are lots of people listening thinking, I need to get my hand on this book, Septemex. How do we buy it? Well, first of all, if you just type the word Septemex into a search engine, you'll get hundreds of responses. It's S-E-P-T-E-M-I-C-S, okay. including among those responses, everybody who's selling the book. But of course, it's, you can get it at Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, all the places that books are sold. But I should tell you that there's a hardbound, a softbound, and an e-book. So 
Ebooks are very inexpensive. So for $10 American, you can get a book that will completely change your life. So that is what I want. I wanted to create a book that would reach millions of people. And I have to tell you, once you get the book, okay, you make a small investment, depending on what version of it you want. That's all you need. You don't need to join a club. You don't need to join a church. You don't need to take classes. You don't need to hire a facilitator. All you need maybe is a dictionary. But everybody has a dictionary on his phone. And when I talk about needing a dictionary, I can tell you as uh, an erudite person, I would never tell anybody to study anything without a dictionary. Even when I tutored math and science, I had a dictionary there. Of course, this is from the days before we had digital devices. You know, I have a guy I'd say, uh, you know, what does absolute value mean? And he would go, okay, let's look it up. You see? And he would read his, oh, I see. And then we would go back to the subject in hand. So when I say dictionary, that's a general thing. I've already put glossaries in there to sort of undercut that issue quite a bit. So, uh, you know, a smart literate person is not going to need a much re resource, recourse to a dictionary. But strictly speaking, that's all you need. Now, if you uh, want to improve your life or you want to improve yourself, just get the book, read the whole book, and go back to the beginning and find your level on 35 skills. By then, you will know what you're doing. And you will be having epiphanies every day. You'll be walking down the street and see some guy, and you'll say, this guy is at that level on that scale. Or you'll read, you'll read the scale without even trying. You'll say, oh, now I understand my mother. She's at level five on the scale of choice. This describes exactly how she is. Now, I'm not saying he should tell anybody that, but he understands her better without even attempting to do that. That's how it works. It, it tells you things about people because you see the people in the writing. You read it and you look at somebody like, oh, let's say, oh, the prime minister of my country. Oh, I can see that guy is at this level. This explains a lot about this person. Fascinating. Well, I have ordered the hard copy and my intention was to read it, read it twice, apply it and then do this interview. It didn't quite work out that way because I'm blessed in that you contacted me, Jim, and I read what you'd written to me and it fascinated me. Then what I did, I went onto your website and I read what you published, some free parts of your book, the introduction and first chapters, the sample chapters, and the whole thing fascinated me. So I ordered the hard copy. Unfortunately, it's not yet arrived. So when we met earlier, it was booked for a 15-minute chat just to see if we're a good fit for each other and a good fit for the show. But as I said to the at the time, I found you so fascinating. I thought, well, Jim, if you have the time, shall we just press record anyway and see what happens? And that's what we did. Completely fascinating. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show now. So if people want to reach out to you, Jim, 
How do they do that? Well, I invite all your listeners to go to my website, temix.com, where you can see what many readers have said about the book, what many journalists have written about the book, what the reviews are, and you can read portions of the book. And my contact information is on the website, too. A lot of data there, like, for example, I've done 100 interviews and it lists all of them. So if you want to look up one of those and listen to it, you can do that, too. So, you know, this is very accessible. Uh, It's not hard to understand. I've done all the heavy lifting in this uh, because I want to help people. And the reason I want to help people is if you think that you're going to be helped by the government, by the universities, by the churches, by the corporations, you are in for a surprise. They're not there to help you. Although they're filled with people who all have access to grind, they all have their own careers to look after, they all have their own biases. I'm not saying they're all bad people, some of them are very good people, but help yourself. Now, if you wanna just drink beer and watch the football game, you can do that too. But then the only person you have to blame is yourself because this data is available and it absolutely helps people. Wonderful. If you don't like the effects in your life, you must change the causes. Love it. Okay, so unfortunately, Jim, I have to call it an end. You have been absolutely amazing, Jim Marshall. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for explaining all that you have about septemics. You have been amazing. Thank you so much. And Thank you, Jeff. My pleasure. I've loved it. I'm, I'm going to get you back on in a year or two because I need to study and work with others and get some data of my own also. But for you, the listener, thank you for listening to The Secrets of Success. I hope the show has helped to ignite your passion, to be a catalyst for action and giving you the fuel that you need to realize your dreams. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit the like button, leave a review, follow the show. And here's the big thing. Share it with one person because we can't succeed until you do that. It's about growing the audience. And if you can change someone's life, this interview might change someone's life to buy Jim Marshall's book, Septemics, $10. Why would you not do that? So please go ahead, like, review, follow and share. On another note, I'm always searching for great success stories. So if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd like to nominate a guest, please contact me on our website at jeff-smith.com. You know, I really would love to hear from you and get you on the show. That's all from me. Thank you very much for listening and have a great day.